Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Jeff R. Steele. Dr. Steele is the senior pastor of Redeeming Grace Church of Coleman, Alabama. He's a conference speaker, owner of the Christian music group The Steels, and an award-winning singer and songwriter. Now, here's Dr. Steele. Verse number 21 of Mark chapter 5. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. Now, I want you to understand, when the Bible says a great multitude gathered to Jesus, we're not talking about 10 or 12. We're talking about hundreds, potentially even thousands of people who were gathered around Jesus. Maybe thousands of people. And why? Three reasons. Number one, they wanted to hear what he had to say. What he was saying was different than what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the rabbis had been teaching them in the synagogue. He spoke with power and authority. He spoke differently than anyone else had ever spoken before. They wanted to hear what he had to say. Number two, there's a great multitude gathered around him because they had heard about and or seen the mighty miracles that he had worked with his hand. They hoped to see more of his power demonstrated. And number three, let's be honest, many of them wanted a touch from him themselves. But as Jesus is walking and as hundreds and thousands are gathered around him, we must realize, ladies and gentlemen, he is a wanted man. Jesus is on the top 10 most wanted list by the government leaders in cahoots with the religious leaders. They want him off the scene. They want him imprisoned at the very least. And we ultimately know they wanted him killed. He is a wanted man as we're reading about him right now. And somebody in that crowd knew he was a wanted man. Look at verse 22. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue named Jairus, when he saw Jesus, he tried to assassinate him, tried to take him into custody. No, he fell at his feet. And the Bible says he begged Jesus earnestly, and he had a good reason. He said, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her that she may be healed, and she will live. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him as he went in the direction of the ruler of the synagogue named Jairus's home. Now I want you to notice Jairus said, come to my house, lay your hands on my daughter and she will be healed. I want you to notice Jairus was acting on what he had heard with his own ears and what he had seen with his own eyes. Please note he did not even waste a minute going to the theologians so that they could explain it to him. So by the time they got through, he wouldn't believe anything that he'd seen with his own eyes or heard with his own ears. Now, folks, listen, my education is in theology. I love the study of theology. I love most theologians. But in our day, apparently as it was in Jairus' day, the number one job of theologians seems to be that they would explain to people all of the reasons why God could no longer do what he once did and why God no longer moved the way he used to move. Folks, God wasn't then and he is not now living on his reputation. 
I've told you this before on many occasions. If God ever could do it, he still can do it. If God ever would do it, he still will do it. The same God that saves people the same way he did 2,000 years ago still touches people's broken bodies the same way he did 2,000 years ago. And anybody in the guise of theology that tries to convince you that God can no longer do what he used to do is telling you a lie. And you need to believe what your eyes can see in this Bible. And you need to believe what your ears have heard by the Spirit of God and tell the theologians to go jump in a lake and believe the Word of God. God still can do it all. He's still able to do everything he ever could do. Now, he's got a throng, Jesus does, going with him to Jairus' house. Now, a certain woman, while they're going, while they're on the way to Jairus' house, a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. This is while Jesus and the crowd are going to Jairus' house, a certain woman who's had an illness and an affliction for 12 years. You know what? A lot of times I hear people talking, and I even say it myself sometimes. I say, boy, you know, I've been down for about three months in my back. If it doesn't get any better soon, I don't know what I'm going to do. I guess I'm just going to have to lay over and die. I hear people talk about how they've been out of work for six weeks, and if God doesn't do something for them in, after six weeks, they're just going to have to send all their stuff back that's just going to all be over. Folks, this woman had been sick for 12 years. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a complaint that ought to be waged maybe within your spirit when you've been sick for three months or out of work for six weeks or something like that. But I always tell people this, when you think it's as bad as it can get and worse than it's ever been, what you need to do is find somebody that's got it a little bit worse than you do and go and minister to them for a while. You will feel better about your own situation when you find somebody that's got it worse than you and you go and spend some time ministering to them. And listen, you're going to feel better even if you don't have a heart to help them. Even if you don't want to do anything to help somebody that's got it worse than you do, you'll still feel better when you come away from viewing their situation because you'll be able to lift up your hands and praise God that at least you don't have it as bad as they do. This woman had been sick for 12 years long years. She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had. She's now out of money and she's no better, but the Bible says she rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, she touched him. She was healed of her affliction. And verse 30 says, Jesus immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? And the disciples, I really think they probably thought they had him. He'd been teaching them all this time. He'd been telling them what he wanted them to know, and I think they thought they had him here. They said, Master, look at the people around you. There's hundreds. There's thousands. Everybody's trying to touch you. What do you mean, who touched me? What do you mean, who touched me in all of this crowd? And Jesus said, and I'm just continuing what it says in the Scripture, Jesus said, no, somebody touched me. I mean, really touched me because I feel virtue has gone out of my body. Verse 32 says, And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him 
the whole truth. She told him the whole truth. She touched the hem of his garment. That's what she wanted to do. Her disease dried up at that very instant after 12 years. And she told him when quizzed who touched me, she fell down and told him the whole truth. I wonder who in here today, how long has it been since you told God the whole truth? I mean the whole truth about your sin. Not that it's because of what somebody else did to you. Not that you've got a problem. Not that you're somehow chemically dependent upon drugs and alcohol. I wonder how long has it been since you told God the whole truth about your own sin? When was the last time you told God the whole truth? God, I have an addiction to pornography that won't let me turn my computer off when nobody's around. How long has it been since you told God the whole truth? How long has it been since you told God the whole truth about that thing that holds you in bondage that nobody knows about and if they ever found out about it, they wouldn't like you very much? How long has it been since you told God the whole truth about it? She's telling God the whole truth. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But he's not going to forgive you of all your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness until you come clean and tell him the whole truth. Would you think you had accomplished something if you went to the doctor and you were having a pain in your chest and a shortness of breath and you didn't tell him about it so he didn't address it with you? I mean, you, you leave the doctor's office, and sure enough, he never talked about your chest pain. He never talked about your shortness of breath. And why didn't he talk about it? Because you never told him about it. You wouldn't tell him the whole truth. You wouldn't feel better about yourself. You would feel like you got ripped off because you went and paid big money for something that you didn't tell the doctor about. Folks, listen, it is time that we did what this lady did, and that is we come clean with God and tell him the whole truth. Tell him the truth about your sin. Tell him the truth about your suffering. This lady had been ostracized in her community. The kind of disease that she had caused people not to come anywhere near her, probably caused her husband to divorce her, probably caused her church to excommunicate her. Nobody would talk to her or be friendly to her. And she told him the whole truth. I'm tired of being by myself. My husband has left me. My church has let me down. Nobody ever talks to me. Oh, God, I'm tired of the suffering. He wants to know the truth about your sin, the whole truth. He wants to know the whole truth about your suffering. He wants to know the whole truth about the other doctors that you've seen to try to get well who haven't done you any good. I can hear her now. She tells him the whole truth. Oh, God, this doctor promised me he was going to make me well, and I was hurting so bad. I paid whatever he wanted, and his plan didn't work. Tell God the whole truth about all the things you've tried to make you feel better in your sin sickness that didn't work. He wants to hear it. Tell him about your hopes and your dreams. I'm sure she said, oh, God, I want to be around people again. I want to go back to church. I'd like to have somebody put their arms around me and hug my neck again. That hasn't happened to me in over 12 years. Oh, God, those are my hopes. Tell God your hopes. Tell God your dreams. Tell God about your suffering. Tell God about your sin. Tell God about the other doctors that you've tried to help make you well. Tell him all of the facts. Tell him the whole truth. This lady finally after all this time, told Jesus the whole truth. Why don't you try that? Why don't you just go into the throne room of grace and pour it all out to God? Tell him the whole stinking truth. 
big crowd. We've already established that. Yet there's people all over the place that aren't getting healed. There's people all around him that aren't getting that touch. He may have just shaken hands with the mayor of the city, and the mayor may have had a toothache, and nothing happened to him. He's still hurting. But this lady crawls through the crowd, touches him, and bam, she's healed. Jesus Christ, even today, folks, can tell the difference between casual contact and a real earnest seeker. There are people every week that come to church and they bump into Jesus. People every week come to church and they get close to him. People every week come here and they feel like, oh, boy, it's good to be close to Jesus. But they're just casual observers. They're just people that want to be here to get close to him. But he can tell the difference between the casual seeker and the one who comes and says, oh, God, if you don't touch me, I'm not going to make it. I'm going to stay here in this altar. I'm going to sit here in this place. I'm going to weep tears of sorrow. I'm going to act up if I have to until you let me get the touch. Jesus knows the difference between the casual contactors and those that are reaching out to touch him in faith. Well, she told him the whole truth. Then he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith, daughter, has made you whole. I wish I could preach on this, but I don't have time. It's the only person in the entire New Testament Jesus ever called a daughter. Oh, what a connotation that word has, a daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Jesus said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Then verse 35, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler of the synagogue's house, remember him, Jairus? That's where we started this story. We fix to take a fast turn home now. Somebody came to Jairus. He's been waiting patiently. He's been just standing there. He'd asked Jesus to come to his house and heal his daughter, but now he encounters somebody else, and he stops, has a conversation with her. And Jairus just stands there, doesn't holler and scream or anything like that. He just stands there and waits. And somebody from his house came and said, don't trouble the master anymore. We just got the report. Your daughter is dead. And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, don't be afraid. Only believe. He said, only believe. That'd be a good word of advice for us because a lot of times what we want to do is we want to believe and be scared at the same time. Only believe. We want to believe and still listen to all the negative reports and get down in the dumps and depressed about that. Only believe. Only believe. Jesus said, don't be afraid. Only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, and he saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. Professional weepers. It was the custom of the day to hire professional weepers to come in and squall and bawl over your loss. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn in the original language. That really means they continued to laugh him to scorn. They continued to be critical of him. But when he had put them all out, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to her, 
Talitha Kumai, which is translated, little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked, for she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. He raised the girl back to life. He stopped this woman's 12-year illness. Now I want you to notice a real quick comparison. We're through. We all have different needs. We all have different things in our lives that need to be touched by God and taken care of. And God touches us with what we need, and that's his touch. But he touches us in different ways. How long had the woman with the disease been sick? The Bible says she'd been sick for 12 years. How old was Jairus' daughter? She was 12 years old. Jairus had had 12 years of sunshine with that precious girl. God had allowed him 12 years of sunshine, and then bam, she's gone. But this lady had 12 years of suffering. Hurt every day for 12 years. She needs to be made well. Jairus, the Bible says, was a ruler of the synagogue. He was a big deal. This lady was a nobody. We don't even know what her name was. Jairus was wealthy. This lady had spent every bit she had on doctors. She didn't have anything. Jairus came to Jesus publicly, fell on his face before him in front of the whole crowd and said, please come and heal my daughter. This woman crawled on her hands and knees and tried to sneak through the crowd and never be noticed. Jairus thought Jesus had to come to his house. He had to be there in order to touch and heal his daughter. This woman said, Jesus doesn't have to do anything. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, he didn't have to do a thing. I know I'll be made whole if I can just touch him. Jesus came to Jairus after a long delay. But this woman, as soon as she touched him immediately, the flow of her blood in her body was stopped. Jairus' daughter was healed secretly. Jesus told Peter, James, and John to come with him and mom and daddy to come with him. But he got rid of all the professional mourners. He put them out of the room and sent them somewhere else. His daughter was healed secretly, but this lady was healed in front of the whole crowd. Everybody saw what happened to her. Jesus made Jairus wait. This important ruler of the synagogue, this big man on campus, this guy that had everything going for him, Jesus said, we'll go. We'll just go on my time. Jesus healed this lady as soon as she touched him. They both needed something great from God, but they were so vastly different. Didn't make any difference. God touches us all. But he touches us in different times, in different places, and in different ways. What do you need from God today? Why trouble the master? When all hope is past, why trouble the master? Why even ask? Because I've seen compassion in his loving eyes. 
And you know what? That's why we trouble the master. Because I know he makes dead things rise. I want to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. If you'd like to contact Dr. Steele, you can go to his website at jeffrsteele.com. If you'd be interested in Dr. Steele coming to speak or having the Steeles minister at your next event, there's a booking inquiry form there. You may also call the office at 256-590-2068.